Our Gospel reading is from the third chapter of Matthew's Gospel. Listen to the Gospel of God. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locust and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea, and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not think you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not bear fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the shaft with unquenchable fire. God bless the hearing and reading of his holy word. Let us pray. Lord, through your word proclaimed, may we encounter you, the living word. Grant us peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may not be aware of the history of the two hymns, the one we opened with and the one we will close with. Both of these hymns um, that talk about peace in our Christmas hymns uh, were produced in the context of the Civil War. Philip Brooks wrote the first hymn. And he wrote it on a sabbatical in the Holy Land uh, because he had served as a chaplain during the Civil War. He was, uh, was the pastor, the rector at Church of the Holy Trinity, Rittenhouse Square, Philadelphia. Actually, was on staff there for a while. You can walk in there, and it, it be the front of the sanctuary is a beautiful nativity scene. But that was Philip Brooks's church. And... Uh, he had what we would call today post-traumatic stress from uh, what he saw serving as a chaplain in the Civil War. So this vision of peace on earth, and it came upon the midnight clear, comes from that dark place. The same thing with our last hymn. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, written by Longfellow. The words are a poem. Uh, he lost a son in the Civil War, and I believe, I, I didn't double-check this, but I believe his wife died as well. So that, that was, that's him also came from a very dark place. So we light a candle for peace on Advent 2. And we think about a day when the lion will lie down with the lamb, when a little child shall lead them. Arguably, one of the most traumatic moments in cinematic history is when Bambi's mother is killed by a hunter. Okay. How many of you remember as a child watching that or taking your children and thinking, oh my, what have I done here? Now, <laughs> now, 
I know a little bit about deer. Remember, I'm, I'm from I'm a hillbilly. I'm from the mountains of West Virginia. And I've observed those do take care of their fawns, okay? As do most mother animals take care of their young. But the personification of that cartoon character meant we were not only watching cute animals, but we were vicariously experiencing a child losing its mother violently. Now, of course, our primary relationship as human beings with animals has either been we have been either the predator or for long periods of our species, we were the prey. Okay? We weren't always on the top of the food chain. Now, in roughly for the last 10,000 years, we have been both domesticator, you know, and our animals have been domesticated. That's only about 10,000 years old. Okay? Uh, dogs maybe older, okay? But domesticated animals is only about 10,000 years or so. But even from our earliest time, even the prehistoric drawings, there's always been this kind of spiritual, symbolic dimension to humans' relationship with animals. The earliest art on walls of cave are these magnificent pictures of horses and uh, mammoths and such. And um, that one particular cave in France the artist was brilliant because if you look at it in the light, it actually looks as if the horse is in motion. Pretty, pretty amazing kind of thing. And of course, many religions have animal spirits, or animals at least are messengers of the gods. And many deities are part animal or even full animal, right? So we've had this history. Even in the Bible, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, the strange beasts of Ezekiel and Daniel and Revelation, the Lion of Judah, the Lamb of God. And in this passage, in our Hebrew passage, the wolf shall dwell with the lamb, the leopard shall lay down with the young goat, the calf and the lion and fattened calf together, a little child shall lead them, the cow and the bear shall gaze, the young shall lie down together, the lion shall eat straw like the ox, the nursing child shall play over the hole of a cobra, the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. Now, unfortunately, or fortunately, Isaiah lived before Instagram or Facebook. So he didn't see all those cute little pictures of the lions playing with their owners, okay, right? Um, or there's ducks making friends with descendants of wolves or the Budweiser commercials where the horses save the dogs and all that stuff. We, we, he missed that. The prophet Isaiah didn't get to see that. Um, <laughs> but we never see the pictures of when the lion remembers it's a lion, right? <laughs> uh, and it's easy for us to forget that you know animals are still kind of wild things. Uh, one of the great quotes about this passage is, the lion and the lamb may possibly sometimes lie down together, but if you carefully notice, when the lion gets up, the lamb is generally missing. Uh, this is a tribute to Woody Allen. I've always liked someday the lamb will lay down by the lion, but I bet the lamb doesn't get much sleep. So maybe these personifications, like Bambi, what the prophet Isaiah had in mind was actually not so much animals, but he was thinking about the day when humans would get along, when the strong and the vulnerable, when the rich and the poor. In many ways, it symbolizes the day when humans will stop acting purely like animals and realize that we are all equal in the eyes of God. 
I think what also is kind of stirring and startling about this passage is interjecting a child into it. For instance, a child putting his hand in a snake's den. The worst fear, if you would, of parents, right? right. Um, Even to this day, there are about 100,000 people a year killed by poisonous snakes. And hundreds of thousands who are maimed, who are blind, or whatever. Um, my family, uh, my parents were definitely afraid of snakes. And, and uh, you know, I think it's something that is innate to us. Uh, I've been in Africa, uh, in Ghana. We were walking through a grove, and the guy said, Bill, you go first. Oh, because I'm the leader? He goes, no, there might be cobras. No. Uh, another time, we were in Nicaragua, and, and they had some pretty deadly snakes there. And it was there was a snake, and it was interesting, the visceral reaction of all the local people, and it was like warfare on the snake. So there, there's something that is probably built into us, rightfully so, that, um, that has this fear of snakes. Okay? It's something I think probably is evolutionary. So even the image, okay, uh, uh, you know, and I, I had four boys, and they, they all did stuff that should have killed them. You know, it's a terrifying thing. And so this idea of the child putting his hand and it's, it, it, you have a visceral reaction. But there might actually be a day when our most vulnerable are not in danger anymore. Prior to this vision, though, in Isaiah, of a day when the peaceable kingdom will happen in a supernatural way, is some very important per- words that we often skip. There shall come forth a shoot from the step stump of Jesse, a branch from his roots shall bear fruit, and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge, the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what he sees, but decides disputes by his ears. But he will give righteousness and justice to the poor. He will decide with equity for the meek, and he shall strike the earth with a rod of his mouth. And with the breath of his lips, he shall kill the wicked. <laughs> Pretty strong language. Now, John the Baptist, in the Gospels, in the Gospels, and also we read in Matthew's Gospel, but it's in Luke and John as well, and Mark. John the Baptist sees this prophecy being fulfilled in Jesus of Nazareth. We want the lion and the lamb to lay down together. We want the innocent child to be safe. But we skip tend to skip over the nature of what needs to happen for the world to change. Now, cruelty can be imposed upon nature. It's part of the reason why Darwin rejected traditional religion. He believed natural selection was inherently cruel, but that may or may not be the case, right? For instance, let's go back to Bambi. What if instead of a hunter shooting Bambi's mother, it was a mountain lion that took down Bambi's mother? Now, that would still be sad, but what if the next scene was the mountain lion feeding her starving children food, right? It's a, it's a different perspective, right? So animals tend not to be violent unless they're sick in terms of they're not randomly violent. They're trying to survive, right? Okay. Humans choose to be cruel. Humans choose to harm. Humans choose to break the peace. 
Humans choose to dehumanize people with whatever label they choose to do that with in order to make it easier to kill their brothers and their sisters. Eric, we even do things like collateral damage. That person's illegal. Okay, no human being is illegal. They, people commit crimes, right? People do illegal things. No human is illegitimate. But we change our language so we feel better about being cruel to each other. And so there's a sense in this beautiful picture of the lion laying down with the Adam, the lion laying down with the lamb. God shows up and speaks a word of justice to the powerful who have abused their power. God comes and speaks a word of hope for the hopeless. You know, there's nothing particularly novel or prophetic about eliminating the notion of judgment. In the past, people have just eliminated this idea for themselves, but we put other people in God's judgment. And humans have traditionally not been patient enough to wait for God to do things. They take it in their own hands. But the real love for justice requires a notion of justice. For Christians, this should begin and end with the realization of one's own guilt and failure. Before I want justice for other people who have done wrong to me, I need to begin by saying, look, I too have failed. Justice should begin with us. The fact that God will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips is a judgment against how badly we treat each other and the idea that eventually we will need God to make this right. John the Baptist identifies Jesus as the one who will do that. In our Romans passage, we are told that Jesus was the root of Jesse. That's referred to in Isaiah 11. The violence of this world needs to be confronted. Peace cannot be socially engineered, and apparently it can't be negotiated either for long periods of time. But Advent puts the ultimate job of peace and justice into the hands of God. Humans cannot do this alone, because we are all co-conspirators, in one way or the other, with the lack of peace in the world. I've known people that were great social advocates, doing wonderful things out in the world, and were horrible people <laughs> to their family, right? Peace has to be something that's internal. And we need to care about the violence of this world. We need to care about what's going wrong in this world. We need to be agents of peace. But that begins within our own hearts and lives. It begins with the peace of Christ. The great uh, Christian writer, the Trappist monk, Thomas Merton, maybe the most important spiritual writer of the 20th century, said this. Instead of hating the people you think are war makers, hate the appetites and disorder in your own soul, which are the causes of war. If you love peace, then hate injustice, hate tyranny, hate greed, but hate these things in yourself first before you do in another. 
Jacob is not his real name. But he was one of the angriest people I've ever known. Was in a failing marriage for the second or third time, I don't remember. His, both of his brothers had died violently through gangs. And he was in a very dark place. Top that, he was a very big, imposing person. Matter of fact, one time I went to see him because he was in crisis, and I walk in and he's holding, holding a loaded 45 revolver. This really actually changes the nature of any conversation <laughs> that you're with someone. But Jacob, in the midst of his pain and his anger, gave his life to Christ. And I will never forget the day we baptized him. People who knew him in the congregation were shocked. Matter of fact, he was sitting in the same pew with someone who had lost a family member to the gang that his brothers were a member of. Stood up, and when you asked the questions, who is your Lord and Savior? He looked at the whole congregation with eyes that were piercing. And he shouted it. <laughs> I mean, it felt like he was shouting it, like a man in a boat that was sinking. Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. Now, there was nothing magic about that. He still struggled. Things didn't go right for him. That lion and lamb within him had a very uneasy relationship. <laughs> there were probably huge pieces of that land that was missing. <laughs> All right. But the peace of Christ saved his life. and made him a better father, at least. Right. We must be agents of peace in this world. We must say no to hate and prejudice and fear. And those things are so powerful in the current time we live in. But we cannot judge the hate in others' hearts if we haven't looked at it within our own. We cannot judge the fear in other hearts if we have not given that fear to Christ. We cannot be agents of peace in this world until we have allowed the peace of Christ to begin to have its way within us. I said last week, there's a danger if we merely spiritualize hope. And I believe that. Hope needs to take concrete action in this world. There's an equal danger if we fear, if we fail to internalize peace. There will be no peace in the world, in this country, in your families, in your heart, until Christ is allowed to be there. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. Let's stand together and say what we believe in the words of the Apostles' Creed. <clears throat>